Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC 825. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM and the 97.5 Network, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, what a week. It's no, there was no Thursday night football, so you we, were- can get, we can get that out of the way. And if, we're gonna, if, if you have any interest in talking about football at any point, all I need to know right now is how did you do in your fantasy league? Not well enough that I won. There you go. I did get my money back in a couple leagues. What? So I'll be honest, the Drew Brees injury killed me. Him breaking all those ribs collapsed two of my teams like his ribcage. (laughs) 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 Just nothing good happened after that injury. Then you had had the Alvin. If you had a a two-week final, you had Alvin Kamara who had 60-some-odd points the first week and then didn't play the second week. That's the problem is... I made it to the game before Alvin Kamara went off and lost. I would have won if I didn't collapse the week before. Oh. Yeah, it didn't work. How about yours? Oh, I was out early on. I didn't make the playoffs. At least you knew you didn't know. When you you take Saquon Barkley as your your first pick in the draft (laughs) and he gets hurt a couple weeks later, it kind of hurts. Yeah, it didn't work out well for you. We will uh, get to our guests. We've got a full lineup. uh, Major League umpire Phil Cuzzy. Round 415, talking baseball, AOLS. Talk a little Tommy Lasorda with him after uh, his passing today. We'll get there. Uh, 435, Philadelphia Eagle, Boston Scott, talking about some of the charitable work he's doing with his My Cause, Mike Fleets effort. Jeff, I do want to start with basketball, though. Uh, you do? I do. We'll get to the football you, later. You want, to talk, you, don't want, you want to talk about the game that shouldn't have been? Yeah, let's get there. So the Sixers are 7-2. and two. Everybody should be... Pretty happy with that start, you would think. They had an ugly loss last night in Brooklyn. Been without Mike Scott and Furcon. Okay, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but hold on a second. You mean that's they, not they, all that's going they, on? The well, no, let's just start with, with the players. You, We didn't have Furcon and Mike Scott. They didn't have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. You don't think that's a fair trade-off? That's not a fair trade-off. Has I mean, anybody that, that, found Kyrie yet? Well, so I, I, I have serious questions about this. Apparently, the coach does, too. Steve, Steve Nash, as of game time yesterday, had no idea where he was, no idea why he wasn't there. And that's what he said. It was personal it, reasons. Yeah. He, and he said that he couldn't reach him, right? So that seems a little odd. But my theory is, and this is what I want all these reporters out there to track down. Wait to hear well, comment you are going to come up with here whether or not Kyrie Irving finally proved that he was right that the world is flat and that he fell off the edge by accident I'm so glad is that, is that the possibility I'm so glad we got that into the live show yeah. look all those guys who weren't on the court last night maybe the only eligible people to play basketball in the next couple of days Jeff oh you think uh, he knew is it is it possible uh, Kyrie knew that that uh Seth Curry was going to test positive for COVID no, but that's a problem. So Seth Curry was tested like all the players on Thursday morning as mandated by league protocols. Uh, Sixers had no impression leading into the game, apparently, that he was positive for COVID-19. So he sat in street clothes on the bench during the first quarter. He was close to Embiid. He wore a mask the whole time he was there. Mm-hmm. But he was sitting on the bench with Joel Embiid and other players and sometime in the first quarter, and he was test back that he was COVID positive. Okay, so a couple things. It is great that he was wearing a mask on the bench. Yes. I, 
I doubt that he was wearing, he, maybe I'm wrong, but I doubt that he was in the locker room with the mask on and that everybody else was. And so he was, he was with them. He was with the team with potential exposure. Okay. And, and then the first quarter comes and some, somehow they find out that he tests positive, right? Got it. Do I have it right so far? That is uh, my understanding. So then as, as you asked me rightfully yesterday, why it wasn't the game stop. So that's my question. Okay. Let's go back to, I know I just said it was you, you, text, you immediately texted me and said, well, why, why, why wasn't, why is it, wasn't the game stop? And let's, you're right. Let's go back to March 11th, 2020 mm-hmm. when NBA basketball shut down the world. Basically they took the hit first. When they canceled a game because one player came back with a positive test before the game started. What was different here? You had a co- positive COVID person sitting on the bench with players around. Why, why didn't you stop the game? And I don't care that the Sixers got blown out and lost and, you know, whatever. That, that's besides no, that's not, that's not a reason. But the, the problem is, is you now open this can of worms. Once you have somebody that tests positive, the idea is to make sure that you stop the spread, right? So if you're going to stop the people, right? So you limit the exposure. So unless the NBA's answer is, well, they've already been exposed. That's not, that's not to me, a logical explanation. What you do is you say, okay, we're not playing this game. We just got a positive test. Everybody go back to your corners. And now everybody's got to get tested. And instead what they did is they played an entire game, which means that there was Somebody, there were teammates of the Sixers who were exposed, who now exposed everybody on the Nets team. And so you now may have a situation where can the Sixers play tomorrow in in a game that is international for anybody that doesn't realize it as as much as the Denver Nuggets don't seem like a, a sexy team for us to watch in Philadelphia, even though they're good. Jokic on that team makes this an international game that people will watch throughout the world. He's a popular international player. So are they going to cancel? Are they going to postpone that game now? And what happens with New Jersey other than Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? Unless, well, was Durant on the bench? I don't know for sure. Uh, I'm not 100% sure there. But I'm just, I'm so confused. Okay, so I see people saying the reason that they didn't cancel the game last night is because it was a nationally televised game. Mm -hmm. Okay. What, whatever. So it was that March 11th game that was canceled. By the way, that nationally televised game made me miss Mark Zumoff and Allah Abdelnami much more. <laughs> 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 I like the the Sixers call of the game. Thank you very much. Uh, but so yeah, well, okay, I no, hold on because you're right about that. Because Marv, look, whatever you think about Marv Albert, the the issues he's had in the past, the the fact that he's a New York announcer, the guy always had energy. And Last not- night, he seemed so lethargic, didn't he? There, there was no energy on the broadcast. They didn't get the players right at times. They, I was. Um, it was like active- listening to that teacher from Ferris Bueller just going, Bueller, Bueller. I, mean, I, was, I was actively, pick up the pace. I was actively turning on our Beasley media partner at 97.5 to listen to uh, the call <laughs> of the game there because I, I wasn't interested in, in the call. So it was a national game. So people say, they didn't cancel it because it's a national game. Well, tomorrow is an international game. Mm-hmm. You may now have to cancel because according to Adrian Wojnarowski, the Sixers are expected to have multiple players miss time due to contract contact tracing. They're already without Mike Scott and Furkan Korkmaz. 
you got to have a certain amount of players to play basketball, Jeff. And I, I like they're all, they're quarantined in their hotel in Brooklyn right now while they were getting tests. And, and where's, and the, where's the where's the game tomorrow afternoon? Is it in? It's, no, it's a home game, so yeah. they have to come back home. Yeah, so, so they're not they flying out. Need, need to get home, but they stayed in Brooklyn last night. They did. They need to get back home. There's no information about whether that game is going to happen. Brooklyn is playing tonight. They got a back-to-back tonight against Memphis. They, you know, the NBA better hope. I think you raised the point to me separately. What does the NBA players union say about this all right now? I don't know. You know, that, and and that is frustrating to me. The the players union is supposed to protect the players. Uh, the NBA should protect the players do. And I think they do a decent job of it. But if you're, if I'm the union representative, I'm saying, look, you can't, you have to limit the amount of exposure, regardless of the type of game that you're playing and regardless of whether or not it's on national TV or local TV. The fact is, is that you need to make sure that, and, and look, I know everybody's going to say, well, nobody's, nobody's died. That's a player and they're athletes and they're in good shape. God forbid one of these, one of these athletes comes down with something comes down with this and has the repercussions that thousands of Americans are having a day, then what happens? Well, you've got that. And you've also, you know, you're a business and it's foolish to play one game to have to miss multiple games after that's just bad business. Right. It didn't make, it just didn't make sense to me. That's why I texted you right when it happened. Okay. You take him off the bench. Why are you playing? Like clearly he was out there. He sat on stuff. They just left the seat open. Mm-hmm. The whole game, if you noticed, like he was sitting real close to Embiid next to Cassell, and then all of a sudden there was nobody in that seat for the rest of the game. Yeah, well, I guess we're going to find out. I guess now we hold our breath and see whether or not they're going to play and see whether or not the Nets are going to play their game. Yeah, it's, you know, you hope that things turn out okay. Look, there's also... I mean, they do do get tested, I believe, twice a day. And they're not they supposed to be in the building until they... So maybe it'll be a false positive. Let's hope it's a false positive, but... But if it's a positive, just looking back at the situation that they had yesterday, once it's a positive, you got to do everything out of an abundance of caution. Well, and look, you you have to go to the day before. If I'm the Wizards, I'm concerned too. They run a back-to-back. Curry played in that game. He put up 28 points. So, you know, you have to, when you're doing the contact tracing, this doesn't just impact one team. It's what we keep seeing Throughout these leagues, one team takes an action or doesn't take an action, and the dominoes end up falling. You're seeing in the NHL already with the Dallas Stars, they're not going to start on time. They'll probably miss their first three games of the season because of a COVID outbreak. You got the Browns who are going to play a Yeah, what are they going to Okay, but what are they going to do with that? Uh, they'll probably reschedule the games later this season. Yeah, good luck with that. That's not easy. No, three, it's not. three games you got, already. You got the Cleveland Browns who weren't in their facility till today and they've got a playoff game this week. Isn't their head coach head coach is not going to be at the game? He will not be coaching their I believe it's their special teams coordinator will be the head coach. It right. will be so the, the head the head coach of a team that when was the last time the Browns were in the the Browns finally make the playoffs for the first time in in a lot of people's lifetimes and and somehow he's not coaching the game. It's people focus on what's directly in front of them. It's the dominoes that fall in some of these leagues afterwards that you're concerned about. We'll get to the national championship game at the end. There's been oh, a question we, all, have to? we will. There'll be, there's been a question all week about whether that's going to be postponed because Ohio State's had COVID issues. Now, apparently 
there's an alert out that everybody's heading to play football. So we'll see what happens with that. Wait, the, the people that, what about the people that have tested positive or that have been in contact? Uh, I would assume anybody through contact tracing that isn't eligible, but it they're not, they're not going to do that goofy thing that Clemson tried to do when they went to Florida state, which is keep them on a separate bus or a separate plane. Or are they, you just wanted to take a shot at Clemson. <laughs> You never miss an opportunity there. Well, let's not forget Dabo decided to bring a player down who tested positive on a on a bus, but somehow they said they had two separate buses, even though there were lots Florida of people State's on both fault, bus. Okay. Huh? Wasn't that Florida State's fault? Didn't they blame them for that? Dabo blamed them. Dabo blamed them. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll get more to football and everything. We're going to have Phil Cuzzy on in a few minutes. I did want to talk one more basketball thing with you. Um we covered the blue coats in past years. They've been a great feeder system for the Sixers for some of the players that are playing right now. You look at Shake Milton, you look at some of the other guys. Um, they're headed to Disney World, Jeff. <laughs> it looks like uh, the field house will not be utilized right now. It looks that's like a shame because that's an amazing facility, fun facility to, to mm-hmm. see a game in. It can get loud there when there are people really there. Really deafening loud. Yeah, and, and I mean, look, maybe they wouldn't have had anybody in there given what's going you on. Won't, you won't get to have your wrestling night. Oh, God. See? You were just impressed that I knew. Oh, who no. Does this mean no Cody time? Oh, uh, we're going to have to find a way to get Cody on the show or we something. We are. Okay. Cody. So the Blue Coats are among 18 teams uh, heading to a single site for gameplay, tip off for competitions to be determined. There'll be a regular season followed by single elimination playoff for the top 18. So I guess that's the G League making the best of the situation, trying to put a bubble in place so they don't have some of the challenges that well, these other are having. Yeah, but that is going to be so. That's going to be a challenge because. Uh, so what are what are the like what do the Sixers do now? They have fifteen people. They have fifteen players on their roster. If or are some of those players the two way players? Are they going to go to Delaware? I mean, are they going to go to Disney? Well, not this. That, week. They're going to be needed here, right? So, and so that's, that, that's part a, of the contact tracing. So, that's so I, yeah. So I assume that you're not going to be sending to. Are you going to be keep? I guess you got to decide. Are you going to keep two way players up on your big team, or are you going to send them to Disney? Well, if you remember right, they can only be with the big team in games for so many games as a part of the two way contract. Yeah, but they could create exclusions for that, considering what's going on. We'll they, should. The NBA, they should they mm-hmm. should we'll see what the nba does and whether they do that it's anything else surprise you from the start of this nba season while we wait to get phil cousy on uh, say that again anything else surprise you about the nba so far this season the start that we've seen the play we've seen we've seen some injuries spencer well, did, well Den- denver kind of got off to a slow start uh uh, Dallas didn't get off to a great start, but it looks like Doncic is now coming on. The Lakers didn't haven't gotten off to a, a great start either. So a lot of the teams that went into the playoffs, I think, are having a little harder time kind of getting back into this season quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I suspect that that's going to go away, and and you know the the good teams are going to rise to the top as the season goes on. I, I don't think you're going to have a lot of surprises, other than and I said this before the season. I thought that Toronto was not going to be have as good a season as everybody said they were going to have. And I, and I blame that partly on the fact that they are playing thousands of miles away from their home arena for home games. It, it, it makes no sense to me that they are playing their home games in Tampa. Why are they not playing their home games, for example, in Buffalo? 
and we're looking for another city with a T. Jeff, let's leave it there. Let's, <laughs> let's go to some baseball. We, we, you know, we get excited when we get to talk to people involved in and around the games that they play, but then the people who also really make an impact on the community, we definitely enjoy telling their story. Uh, thrilled to be joined and bring on Major League umpire Phil Cuzzy. Phil, thanks for a few minutes. How are you doing today? Sure. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're, we're doing pretty good. Uh, you know, Jeff asked me a few weeks ago, he was telling me about the fundraiser that you were doing for, for ALS, and I want to get into it for a second, but I told Jeff, um, in college, uh, Lou Gehrig was a member of my fraternity, and so we did fundraising for ALS, and when I saw what we were doing, I was like, okay, th this is pretty cool. So I wanted to ask you, you've got the Roberto Longo ALS fund that, that you created can you tell us where it started from, why you created it, and how it's going? Yeah, well, uh, you know, Roberto Longo is, is the, the hockey goalie. And, and sometimes when people try to go onto our site, uh, it, it comes up the hockey player, Roberto Longo, who was a, who was a great goalie, but um, another Italian. But uh, the Robert Longo was a um, – he, he was like a cousin to me because we, we really weren't blood cousins, but his mother's sister married my mother's brother. And we were the same age. We grew up together. We went to junior high together, high school together, and uh, we played football together. And um, he was just one of those guys. Uh, he was a go-to guy, uh, graduated, wound up going to Harvard. I went to Glassboro State, closer down to you guys. And uh, he played football at Harvard. And then uh, once I got into the minor leagues, uh, you know, uh, Florida State, whatever I was, uh, Robert was the kind of a guy that he, he, he could pop in anywhere. And he was just very supportive of the, you know, the long, hard road that it is to to, uh, to get to the big leagues. And I remember one day I, I was uh, I was home for uh, for a day off and we spoke on the phone and he said, you know, something's going on with me. My, my hand is uh, my hand is getting numb. And, and now I feel as though it's, it's going up my arm. And I said, you know, Rob, go to the doctor. And at the time, he didn't have insurance. And he said, well, I don't know. It's just kind of numb. And long story short, he was diagnosed with, with uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. And, uh, you know, Robert, as I said, he was a Harvard grad. And he, uh, he was a very smart guy. And he started doing his own research. And then he called me and he said, um, I, I've just been given a death sentence. And that was really the first thing that, that he told me after, you know, he, he was diagnosed and um, and he knew what was going to happen. He knew he was going to lose his voice. He knew that he was going to lose all of his muscle movement. And it took about five years. You know, Robert was a he was a strapping all state linebacker for our town in Belleville, New Jersey. And as I said, he played at Harvard and he knew it was going to happen. And uh, and, and it did little by little. I remember he he was, uh, you know, he went with a limp, and then he fell, and then he was walking with a cane, then a, then a walker, and then a wheelchair, and uh, you know, then it was a power wheelchair because he he couldn't wheel himself, and it, it was just, it was very, very, very terrible and heartbreaking to see what happened to my my captain and my and and the all state linebacker, you know, and. Uh, and then really, the last time I saw him, uh, he, he wound up moving to Florida. And at the time, he had a nine-year-old daughter. And the last thing I said to him was, Rob, I, you know, and, uh, education being so important to him, I said, Rob, I don't want you to have to worry about Dominique's education. I said, we will 
I will get the community involved. I'll get the, the baseball community involved, and we will raise enough money to send her to whatever college she wants to go. And, you know, like, and he, and he blinked his eyes, you know, uh, because that's the last thing that, that an ALS patient has is the movement of their eyes. And, um, and fast forward, uh, we, we raised the money to send her, she, and she wanted to follow in her, fa- her father's footsteps. And two years ago, she graduated uh, from Harvard, and she's going to start Harvard Law. Uh, I think it's next, uh, I don't know if it's next fall or next spring. So it's really been quite a road, and we, we started, you know, he, uh, Robert passed in 2004 on, on St. Patty's Day. And, uh, and that's that following January is when we started just a dinner, just to raise money. And, um, and that's what we did and, and had no idea what it was going to grow into. And just, as I said, our community got involved. And the first year we had over 500 people came and people said, uh, you know, uh, it's great. People come the first time, but you know, you can't expect this, you know, the next year. And this is our 17th year, and we've had over 600 people every year, same 600 people from the community. And, you know, as I say, because of baseball, you know, I've had great mystery guests that have come. We've had Tori, Lasorda, LaRusa, Jim Leland was just here last year, Lou Pinella, Bobby Richardson. You know, the list goes on and on. Joe Girardi, uh, Goose Gossage, uh, you know, we had Joe Piscopo, Larry Holmes, Bob Costas. It's just been, you know, it's just been unbelievable. And the money that we raise, you know, we have no employees. It's all, it's all uh, volunteer. So every, every dollar we bring in goes out and our, our money goes really three places, uh, research. Uh, we, we, we help, you know, programs with the ALS association out of Washington, the national, uh, uh, as well as Penn state Hershey, um, they have a research program up there for ALS uh, we, and patient care, you know, whether it's whether it's a, a ramp or a, or a chairlift or, or anything like that. And then, again, keeping with Robert's theme of education, we give um, scholarships, you know, to, to kids or, or college funds. And uh, and that's it. And, you know, I, I get these phone calls from from, you know, people that we know and friends of friends. And they say, you know, my 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 brother's sister-in-law just get, you know the first thing i say is how could we help them what is it that they need and uh you know people are reluctant to to ask for you know they think they're getting a handout they think they're getting charity but um, but that's why we raise the money and uh and i say please you know you may not know today what they're going to need but they're going to need something in the future and we'll be here to help you and, and, you know, Phil, we've talked to you before. We, we've talked to you in relation to, to some of the other work you do, even including the work with UMCARES. And, and for people that don't know, the Umpires Association on its own does, does uses its platform for good. And we, we talk all the time to, to athletes and coaches. And, and we've, try, we've tried to talk to people like you to, to show that, that umpires, too, are able to use their platform for positive change. And, and you've done it not just on your own, but you've also been able to get, you mentioned all the amazing people in, in baseball that have, that have contributed to what you're doing, the good work that you're doing. Uh, we'd be remiss considering uh, the news of today with, you've had Tommy Lasorda as one of those people. And we wanted to talk to you yeah. just for a minute about your own, your own recollection of, of the work that Tommy did with you and your, and just your reflections of, the, of this day and Tommy Lasorda in baseball. 
you know, Tommy was great because um, he, he came to one of the earliest dinners that we had. And I don't know if it was, it, it was either the second or the third. Our, our first guest was Bruce Fremming, the umpire Bruce Fremming. And then when Bruce heard that Tommy was coming, he said, I just want to make sure I bring in more people than, than Tommy Lasorda brings in. And then after Tommy Lasorda came, he said, I just want to, I hope I had more people than what Bruce Fremming brought in. So <laughs> it was kind of funny, but think about it. Uh, uh, Tommy flew across the country because, uh, you know, we, we, we hold this in Jersey, North Jersey. And uh, obviously he came from L.A. And he, he, was, he was just great. And it was, you know, we, we, have, we have like a, like a silent auction that, that runs for the, during the cocktail hour. And all of the great guests that I mentioned, you know, they come in and we do it as a mystery guest. And Tommy, at the, t- you know, at the time, he, he, people knew that he was coming. It was so early on that we wanted to try to promote it because we didn't know how many people were going to come. And when Tommy came in, he didn't want to sit like private, like in a private room or, and then wait until he was going to speak. He said, uh, I want to be with the people. And he walked around. It took us one hour to get Tommy from the library of this, uh, not in the park, the restaurant that we, that we always use. And uh, because he stopped and took pictures and shook hands and signed autographs for every person who asked him. So f- for a walk that should have taken him, three minutes to get from one place into the main ballroom, the library into the main ballroom. It took him an hour, literally an hour to get in there because he stopped and, and spoke to everybody. And then of course, I'm sure you've heard him speak. And he, I mean, he was funny. And, and the, the best part it was my crowd is mostly Italians. And of course that was right up his alley. And when I tell you that, that this uh, restaurant, Nanitas in the park gives us, name of food and it's there in, in a, a buffet for for a, a king and queen right all tommy wanted was it was a dish of uh of, of meatballs and spaghetti that's all he wanted and when it came to dessert he uh they had like a venetian table you name it cannolis and all everything he just wanted sherbet that was all he wanted but um the crowd loved him i mean he, he's funny he told great stories, and he, he was happy to just be a part of it, just to, uh, you know, to, to raise the money for, for a great cause. And he, he was all in. You moved this year, obviously, given all the circumstances, this year's fundraiser has gone virtual. So it's the 17th annual dinner to raise money for ALS. Uh, Robert Longo, I'll get the name right so I don't actually screw it up. I always feel dumb when I do that. <laughs> Uh, and this year, you've got some great guests coming too. Can you tell us a little bit about the guests and how people can find out about it, get more information? Yeah, you know, again, virtual. So you think, well, look, how, how good could we do, you know, virtual? Who wants to sit in front of a computer? But um, but I, I think we're going to put on a great show. It's going to be Thursday, January 28th. And I, I tapped into people who have all helped us before. So Bob Costas is going to lead a roundtable discussion with uh, Joe Torrey, Bobby Valentine, and Bucky Dent. And um, that, that's going to just be one segment of the, uh, of, the, of the evening. And then after well, that... Well, hold, well, hold on to... a second. If you're having Bobby Valentine there, you're, how many segments are you going to have? How long is this going to go on? <laughs> well... It's gonna. It really. It's not. It's gonna go on. I, I don't. I don't think for more than like an hour and a half. I, I think again, regardless of how interesting anything is, 
people could only pay attention for so long, you know. So, uh, you know, maybe uh, Bob Costas will probably be like maybe a half hour with those guys talking, just talking baseball. And then uh, and then we're going to have um, – now, I know you guys are, are, are Philly, down in Philly, and, and you're not really Yankee fans, but I'm going to have the three sons of three of the greatest Yankees of all time. So we're going to have Randy Maris, David Mantle, and Larry Berra. And they're going to be on having a discussion. We're going to be with uh, Steve Sharippa, who has become, you know, he became a a very good friend. And uh, Steve Sharippa from The Sopranos, as well as Blue Bloods. Yeah. And uh, we will have uh, a discussion. And then that that segment will be uh, live questions to... uh, you know, to those four. So I think it'll be entertaining and it's, it's the best alternative that I could have come up with. And I think we have some, some big names and it'll, it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. So if anyone who is listening, you know, the nice thing about it is we we could have, it's unlimited to how many people we could have, as opposed to when we're live, we're limited. We, 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 we hit 600, but we're tight in the room. So we, we invite the fire department to make sure everything goes okay. But, uh, but uh, for this, uh, for people to go on to our website, which is Robert Luongo, L-U-O-N-G-O, ALSfund.org. And that, that gives all the details about, uh, you know, making a donation to get the link for the, the, for the Zoom call, which will be on, as I said, January 28th. And uh, the, the response so far has been great. And we're still, you know, we still have a couple of weeks to go. So, so Phil, I would be remiss in asking you, one of my favorite memories as a, as a Phillies fan is Cole Hamill's no-hitter in 2015. And if I recall correctly, you were the home plate umpire for that. In Chicago. Yes. And, yeah. and so the question that I have always had, I know that players have all these superstitions they, they don't talk to the pitcher. There's all sorts of things they do when they get to the fifth, sixth inning and they realize that there's a potential no-hitter or a perfect game. What is it like for a home plate umpire when, when you sit there and realize you've gotten to the sixth inning or so or the seventh inning and there's a no-hitter and you're the one calling the balls and strikes? Okay. I'm, I'm going to give you an answer, and, and I, I hope that you believe me because it's the absolute truth. I did not know that Cole Hamels had a no-hitter until the final out of the game. That and was my question to happened? Jeff. Did you know? Like, what, Do you even know what's going on there? I, I, I did not know. Now, I've been on the bases, you know, working the bases, where I kind of look at the scoreboard or something in between innings, and I say, oh, we got goose eggs up there. There's a, you know, this guy's throwing a no-hitter. But, you know, whether he gets it or not, but, but some, I've, I've been aware. But, um, but with Cole – it, when the final out, if you remember, the final out was a circus catch out in left field. And when I saw that, and then all of a sudden I see everyone running, jumping, and, I, and, and I'm thinking, because, you know, that, that was, they were talking about uh, trade rumors with Cole Hamels, right? So I said, could, could it be this, that, that his teammates are that happy that he, he just got traded? And that's the way of saying goodbye, good luck. <laughs> and then I said, and then like a second later I said, you know what? I just worked a no hitter. I looked up on the board. I saw all zeros, and I said that was it. And I, and I didn't know, and I'm glad I didn't know. And uh, you know, I, I worked. That was my my second one. My first one was Bud Smith, if you remember, uh, with the Cardinals. 
and that one I knew in the top of the ninth inning, and uh, it was it was a nerve wracking you know ninth inning for me, but I, I was happy that I didn't know. Does it mean anything different to you when you're a part of history like that, or is it another day at the office? You go and do your job. Well, yeah, you know, we we do our job, and 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 that's why I'm glad that I didn't know because uh, you know that that every you know, like you know that wherever you are, the, the, the they're tuning into that game around the country, and, and you know, and you're saying, you know, all right, a little more pressure now because everybody's watching, and you don't want to miss a pitch and and cause anything to to change the course of history, but um, you know, it was uh, it's just it's it's just different. You know, we're in a different world, umpires. So as as everyone else in the world is saying. Uh, Hey, Cole Hamels just threw a no hitter. We as umpires, you know, like I got phone calls from guys saying, "Hey, congratulations, you just worked a no hitter," and that's just kind of a different, you know, that's just that's just our world, you know. So uh, it's just it's just different. It's just very different for us. So, so Phil, uh, what's the plan for 2021? Before we let you go, do do you guys have any any knowledge of what's going to be happening with 2021, or, or are you in the dark at this point and it's still up in the air? Well, uh, you know, I think that that although nothing is official, we are planning to to go as we normally would. The you know the first difference is every January, so it would have been I think uh, not not next week, but the week after, we would have been in Phoenix for our annual meetings and our physicals. That was canceled, but uh, you know I, I've already received a call for for a spring training schedule. You know, they just ask you your preferences, and so so they don't have it. You know, we had heard rumors the same way that you guys probably have that they were going to push the season back a month. And you know, I, I thought, okay, you know, the, I guess the hope is that more people will be vaccinated and, and whatever. And I, and I know that they want to have fans in the stands, but we haven't heard anything else about it. And and you know, again, so until we hear, I think everyone's planning to go as we normally would. But of course. A lot depends on what happens in the next, you know, couple of months. Well, you just made Jeff's day even mentioning spring training. He gets the warm and fuzzies <laughs> when he even hears about spring baseball going on. We uh, can't thank you enough. We always enjoy when you when you join us. Uh, hope we get to have you back as the year progresses. Uh, we wish you the best of luck with the fundraiser coming up, and we'll make sure to put the information out on our social accounts and uh, hope for continued great success. It's a really great thing you're doing, so thanks for the time. Well, that'd be great. I, I appreciate talking to you guys, and I appreciate you giving me the time to talk about the uh, Robert Longo ALS Fund. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jason. Take you care. Have a great day. Jeff, I told you when you asked me about it, and I mentioned it to him a little bit, um, Mm -hmm. ALS was something I became uniquely aware of in college. Uh, Lou Gehrig was a member of my fraternity when he was younger, not my local, but national. And that was the community organization that we helped. And they used to do an ALS walk ride from like New York. They started at Yankee Stadium and went to DC to, to lobby for their efforts. And they would always stop at our fraternity house in New Brunswick at Rutgers. And we would do an event there. Um, sometimes we would present them a check where we had raised some money. Uh, but, you know, to see the people and the the struggles and their desire to push through their challenges, to raise awareness, to raise money so that other people don't have to do this. And then you see what Phil's doing to honor the memory of his friend whose daughter now has gotten her college education, is about to go to law school, 
and now it's even bigger than that and helping other people. It, it's, it's the kind of stuff you love to see. It, it, it's great to see, you know, pe- people just, they don't think about it, but the, the Umpires Association, I mean, we, we've been involved with them for a few years now, and it is impressive to see what the Umpires Association does and what these umpires do, and that they're, they're able to use their platform just like athletes are, just like coaches are. And, and ALS is, you know, I've had someone close to me as well that had ALS. It's a cruel, cruel disease because you, you lose your, your bodily functions, but your brain is still active. You're, you're a prisoner to your own body until you, until you pass. Uh, the Eagles are involved a lot with, with ALS charities and, and or, or the Phillies are involved, I believe with ALS charities as well. Um, it's, it's just interesting to see what these teams, what these players are able to do to help these people. And they do it out of their own ger- generosity and, and, uh, I believe we have somebody else now that if you want to yeah, bring them on. We're going to keep it going with things that, that go on in the community. We, we're lucky enough to be joined by Philadelphia Eagles running back, Boston Scott. Boston, thanks so much for giving up a few minutes today. Oh, man, I appreciate it. I appreciate y'all having me on. Uh, we appreciate what you're doing. We're going to get to your, your cause, your cleats in a second, but I wanted to take a step back to how you got there. Um, you're kind of an inspiring guy, not just because I'm five, six and there's somebody I can kind of relate to in life doing things that I never would be able to do, but you were a walk on at Louisiana tech. You, your only college That's offer right. was from an NAIA school in Kansas, people who chase their dreams that don't get things handed to them. Can you just talk about what it was like to chase that and earn your spot as a walk on and then get a scholarship? Yeah. You know, you learn a lot about yourself, you know, whenever, you know, you're working towards a goal and you don't necessarily see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, and um, just having the opportunity to work, uh, continue to work on my craft, you know what I'm saying? Not, it's it's a blessing to be able to get to my goal and achieve what I wanted to achieve. But at the end of the day, you know, throughout the process, I was able to really learn a lot about myself, man. And I really feel the things that I learned along the way have, have really set me up not only to be, you know, successful in football, but also to be successful in life. So um, definitely wasn't easy, you know, and there have been people that have helped me along the way. But, you know, overall, I just it, it's a blessing, man. It's a blessing to be where I am today. You know, Boston, not only did you just go through the regular I'm a walk-on and then gain a scholarship, uh, you, you had some personal physical challenges yourself that led you mm-hmm. to where you are and what we want to talk about. Can you talk about what happened between that freshman and sophomore year that, that, that led you to where you are today and doing the good work that you're doing? Yeah, so uh, my freshman year, man, I came in as a walk-on, you know, as a freshman, uh, whatever, whatever. And, um, man, it, it, it was – things were going really well, started off strong uh, in training camp. And uh, through the season, uh, I noticed that, it started after I had like a, a pretty bad full body cramp. Like, well, I would say like a lower, the lower half of my body cramped up. After that point, uh, I got home, you know, and I realized that my, my muscles were continuing to twitch. And I was like, okay, they're just fatigued. You know, obviously my body is, you know, adjusting to what just happened, but it continued to happen. And then the symptoms kind of started to, to intensify. So it started off as, um, fasciculations, the kind of involuntary twitches, and then it, you know, kind of intensified into cramping, um, aches, pain, uh, paresthesia, like just different things that I had never experienced before. And me being, 
you know, however old I was at uh, 18, 19 years old, you know, I, the training staff is stumped, you know, coaches don't understand what's going on, you know, and so I think really the fear of the unknown, not really knowing what it was, uh, you know, that, that, that had a significant toll on me, you know, and I, I remember going into uh, the head trainer's uh, office, you know, and he, he sat me down and he said, you know, Boston, God has a plan. I'm like, oh, man, I'm about to die. <laughs> like, I didn't know what, what was going on, what was happening, you know, because, you know, I, I like to look into and research things that I'm, I'm dealing with or uh, struggling with or whatever. And, you know, you look up, you know, uh, fasciculations, that's, that's in the neurological world, right? So I look up then, you know, neurological disorders, neurological diseases, and you see, like I, uh, I heard mentioned, like ALS, Lou Gregg's, and these, you know, neurodegenerative uh, disorders that, you know, claim lives. And so it was stressful. It was definitely stressful. Um, I, I ended up going from specialist to specialist. I went at first, initially, they believed that it was um, bulging discs in my back, and I went to um, Dr. Dorsett in, I believe, the Texas area. He's a spinal specialist, and that's where he um, basically scanned me, and he saw that there was really nothing that was cause for concern, and so I ended up going to a neuromuscular specialist, and I got an EMG, and uh, basically what that does is it sends the uh, electric impulses throughout your body to get your muscles to contract. And uh, he did it basically in all my lower extremities. And then finally he went to my back and he did it in my back. And then he was finally able to see, you know, the, the involuntary uh, fasciculate, the fasciculations occur. And so, you know, that kind of stumped him. I remember him taking my mom out of the room and, you know, it took, I don't know, 30, 30 to 45 minutes for him to come back in and kind of tell me what was going on. He was like, okay, so he believes that it's more of a benign condition, but he read, you know, what, I, what I'm dealing with is cramp fasciculation syndrome. Basically, it's a, it's a rare neurological disorder that's characterized by, you know, the, in, the involuntary twitches and the cramping and the fatigue and the aches and the pains. And basically, there's like no cure. So, you know, it's not necessarily what can we do to get rid of it, you know, but what, what can we do to manage it? And so that's where the journey began to, you know, find, you know, something that can help me manage it. And that's where I went through, like, um, I, I took antidepressants, you know, uh, checked my blood work, you know, um, vitamins, you know, nutrients in my in my blood. And uh, I got to the point to where I was able to manage it, uh, being on antidepressants for a little bit. And, yeah, but from there it just kind of, it kind of stuck with me, you know, and uh, my my father also uh, had a stroke uh, back in 2018. So just in general, just I, I realized, you know, how much we didn't know, you know, whenever it came to neurological disorders. And I'm like, well, why, why aren't there, why aren't there many cures? You know, it's, it's a very complex and uh, deep issue, you know. So like I said, I, I looked into it and I just found how many, you know, how many disorders there are and, really it's all about managing you know there's not really um much information available as far as a cure you know what i'm saying but there's a lot about managing so that's it's, it's always kind of been on my on my mind and on my heart as i've gone through you know my journey as a football player so like i said it's a blessing to be where i am today you know there are a lot of a lot of factors that you know that i went through that <laughs> where I shouldn't be where I am, but, you know, 
by God's grace, I'm here. It seems like the, the journey, you know, being a walk-on, getting the scholarship, the, the challenges you face, uh, just makes you appreciate it more. Then I realized that before mm-hmm. you were drafted by the Saints and played in your first preseason game in Jacksonville, you'd never actually attended an NFL game. What was that experience yep. first time going after <laughs> everything you'd overcome? Now you get mm-hmm. in that arena you've never been in before, and there you are. What was that like for you? It was surreal. It was surreal. You know, like I, I was thinking about it was my first game. You know, I'm I'm, I'm going to go out here and have some fun. You know, obviously I knew I, in my mind, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be here. You know, I'm going to make this team. Uh, but in Jacksonville, did you know that they have pools like right <laughs> <laughs> they have pools in the stadium. <laughs> and so, I, you know, all these things are going through my mind, and I'm, I'm back there about to catch my first kickoff return ever, you know, in my career. And I'm like, those pools are dope. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it was, man, it was a cool experience, man. And, you know, a, a lot of emotions, but, you know, I just do my best to, to keep those emotions at bay so that I can focus on the task at hand and, you know, that was to that was to work and try and uh, secure a spot on the active roster. So you make your way to Philadelphia and you're now involved in the My Cause, My Cleats uh, auction. Mm-hmm. How did you, how did, mm-hmm. we know how you picked the cause. How did you pick the cleat, mm-hmm. the design? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, all right. So um, the guy that designed my cleats, his name is Kenneth Honore. He's uh, out of Zachary, Louisiana. He's a, he's a local guy. I'm from Louisiana, uh, so... You know, I was just doing, you know, I, I like to stay connected to some of the guys. And he's, he's actually very talented. You know, he's actually designed all the cleats that I have this year. Um, and he's, he's very talented. Uh, and so whenever he, he designed my first pair of cleats for me, uh, which I wore in the away game versus the Giants, uh, or I think the first time I wore them was against Dallas when they came uh, home. And, um, yeah, I was like, man, this, this dude is talented. And so from then on, you know, I decided that he was going to be the one to design my cleats. You know, it's, he's he's been doing it for a while, and like I said, it, you can look at the work for yourself. But it's 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 very it's very impressive. Um, but yeah, that's 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 who I decided to go with a guy that I uh, play ball with in uh, in high school. Uh, so yeah, I, I stuck with him. And if you go on the website nflauction.nfl.com, you can bid, yeah. and all the donations will go to the American Neurological Association. Can you talk about what you hope people learn about their efforts, and you know a little more about why you want them to support what's going on? Obviously, you have your own personal ties to it. Yeah, absolutely. I would just say, you know, there there are millions of people that are affected by neurological disorders, and you know. I, it was a blessing that I'm able to be where I am and be able to um, do what I that, do what I dreamed of doing. But there are a lot of people that can't say the same, you know. And so that definitely impacted my heart, you know, that there are, you know, there's so little research that's been, well, I won't say research, but there there aren't many cures for a lot of the neurodegenerative uh, disorders that people go through on a day to day basis. And just knowing that, you know, there is no cure that that it takes such a psychological toll, and I just couldn't imagine being in a situation like that um where that's the case and a and a uh they've been doing a great job i've been i've been doing my research on them and they've been doing a great job of you know continuing continuing that fight continuing to to pursue breakthroughs you know not only do they uh research and and they um they're basically like um researching uh like i said the cures but also they have an academy 
where they bring in uh, students and they have like a scholarship system where they uh, allow uh, students to um, to pursue these uh, research efforts as well. So I think it's a it's, it's an incredible organization. Um, and like I said, they what they want to find is you know breakthroughs. You know, not only ways to manage these symptoms that can wreck people's lives, but also find cures. And so that's that's why it's uh, that's why that organization has resonated with me, and that's why. I want to support and just know that every every dime of you know what what comes of this auction um, is going to go straight to that, and they they are about what they say you know and so yeah I just I just hope that you know we're able to make re- they're able to do the research and and make breakthroughs to change people's lives. So Boston, you've talked about that some of the challenges you've gone through and the psychological toll that mm-hmm. some ta- challenges take. You, uh, along with a lot of people in this country and this world, have gone through a lot of a lot of challenges this year. What has it been like for you to play this season with the cha- the additional challenges that you've all had? And, and what was the toll like? And, and what was it like to have a team around you to to go through it together? Yeah, man, uh, that team has stayed so close knit throughout all the ups and the downs and the pandemic and. You know, I, honestly, I just feel like there's there should be a new. I mean, you should never take life for granted, but there should definitely be a new appreciation uh, for life. You know what I mean? And also, uh, you know, diving deeper into that, you know, this year has really shown me. You know, we we're not in as much control as we'd like to think. You know what I mean? And so, whatever it is that you're passionate about, whatever it is that you know you want to pursue, you know. I would just encourage people to do that, you know, uh, love on your loved ones, you know, I'll pick up the phone, call people that are close to you. Cause you never know, you know, life can change in an instant, man. Life can change in an instant. And so this year, you know, I've definitely grown a lot in my faith. I believe in Jesus Christ. That's me. But, you know, I, I've just learned, you know, from this year that we just can't take life for granted, you know, and each day is a gift and, you know, we need to live our lives like, like that, you know, um, so yeah, but like I said, having, having guys on that team, you know, as close knit as we were, you know, I know that there's been narratives. I know that there's been this and that, but we stayed closely knit, you know, we stayed together through it all, you know, we battled all through the season, you know, it didn't go the way we wanted it to, but you know, the, the nucleus is there, the mindset is there, you know, and I have full confidence that next year, you know, we're going to get on the right track and we're going to get this thing rolling. So, so you mentioned the, the, some of the challenges that, that the team had towards the end of the season. Um, do you mm-hmm. feel like the, the offense and the team is closely knit? We've heard stories that it isn't, um, but, but you seem to be suggesting that, that you guys are all together in this. We are. We are, because at the end of the day, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> at the end of the day, everyone, we all have to be, the offensive success, like the team's success, everyone has to be in this thing together. It's not an individual thing. It's not It's not this person does this, this person does that. Like what we all do determines the outcome for all of us. We, we are in this together, you know what I'm saying? Like we're in this together regardless, regardless of the situation, regardless of what's going on, you know what I mean? Like, at the, like, like I said, there's narratives here and there. People are going to say what – but at the end of the day, we know – we know what the what the vibe is in the locker room. We know what the vibe is in that organization, you know. And we stay we stay together. We stay together through it all, and that's 
that's that's what it's been, you know. Uh, I don't really know where the stuff, where the other stuff is coming from, but you know, like I said, we we worry about what we can control, and that's you know our teammates. That's who we're around, you know. And so we we stuck together throughout this whole season. You know, I'm I'm proud of the team in a way that it's competed and battled. You know, uh, we didn't execute the way that we needed to. Um, but like I said, as far as effort, energy, and camaraderie, all of that was there. All of that was there. So I want to finish on a lighter note here for you. Uh, you mm-hmm. tweeted before the new year that you were looking for a PS5. You have any luck finding it? <laughs> I did. I found one. I found it. I got a. Uh, I got a Series X. Yeah, I found one. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So that will be able to follow yeah. along with how you're playing on your PS5 in between. Yeah, can you, hey, Boston, can you do us a favor? Can you tweet out that we need one too? Because we've had no luck with that. <laughs> I got you. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Boston, <laughs> we can't thank you enough for the time, uh, for what you're doing. And look, the way you're using your platform to, to be so open about the challenges you face. There's other people out there who are probably going through some of these same things, asking some of these same questions mm-hmm. as you. And just see an athlete out there talking about it, making it sort of normalized. Like, it's okay that, that mm-hmm. this happened. You can get through it. That's pretty good yep. for people. So personally, I just want to say thank you. We, we appreciate the time and everything you've given here and look forward to seeing what goes on with the team going forward. Absolutely. I appreciate y'all having me on. You have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you soon. All right. God bless. Jeff, again, another player who – recognizes the role that they have and utilizes the platform that they've been given and earned to help other people. And Mm -hmm. it, you know, again, people might think we beat this horse to a death, but we we continue to to find these stories that you don't hear about when it's, why did you drop the ball? I didn't know where you were going when you said beat the horse to death. I thought, what were you having a guest on to talk about the, about horses, uh, horse charities? I mean, (laughs) some people may think like we overdo it looking for these stories. I I think that this is what makes sports special. We don't look for it. By the way, we don't look for them. No, we don't actually. This is, we're lucky enough that, that, that they want to talk about these things. There are lots of of athletes and other people in every walk of life that do these things every day. But it is it's important to have people like that on to show that this is you know every with everything going on in the world. It it, it to me hearing that there are people out there that are taking their time and using their platforms for positive. Isn't that what we all need more of? I mean, that's what it's about. Yes, I wanted yeah. them to to win the game and not have some of the struggles that he talked about and, and to end up but, with But it. I have a more serious question for you. Well, well, first, we'll see whether or not he gets us a PS5. That, that, that's the big one. <laughs> I um, like to, to ask that. <laughs> you you uh, asked him to utilize his platform <laughs> to benefit <laughs> us. That was well done. <laughs> well, they were hard to get. Um, <laughs> um now I forgot where it was going. Uh, it happens in my age, so you'll just have to take it over. All right. Let, oh, let, no, I know what I wanted to ask. Remember. Yeah, exactly. Once you started to talk, I saved everyone. Uh, with all of the fantasy football teams you have, Boston Scott had to be on at least Absolutely. One he was on one of my teams. And he put up points at the end of the season when they weren't using Miles Sanders. Yeah. So, you know, it, it for us, it must be, it, it's, it is fun that, you know, we, we get to talk to guys that are, 
on our fantasy football teams. So it's really funny that you say that because, you know, I, I always wonder how players feel about people with drafting them for fantasy. Did you see Tobias yeah. Harris's response to somebody earlier this week? No. What was it? They were questioning about like shots or, or the line or something like that. And you replied back, you should have invested in Bitcoin instead. <laughs> I enjoyed that. That was entertaining. Jeff, we've got three minutes or less left. I got to get to some college football here. Yeah, go as much as I don't want to talk about it, go ahead. So I know you felt awful for Dabo Sweeney losing to Ohio State. I know that you were wearing your Ohio State colors. Tell me how excited you were to see Ohio State move on. You know I went to Michigan. I know you did. Why do this to me? Because it's it's not enough that Jim Harbaugh is about to sign for another five or six years. Oh, believe me. I really needed to needle me about the Ohio State again. Do you know how much I enjoyed sending you that text message that he's going to resign, knowing how much you do not want him to resign? Wor- worse yet, somebody texted a friend of mine, texted me, a Michigan buddy of mine, texted me before the game that apparently Ohio State is trolling Michigan by liking the tweets about Jim Harbaugh signing. <laughs> How's that make you feel? There you well, go, Michigan man. It has been a long time. I mean, since Ohio Michigan. Well, so I want this is this is a universal thought that I'm about to express and a cautionary tale. Okay, profound is coming, everybody. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's profound, but I will tell you. I I remember very vividly when Lloyd Carr was at the end of his tenure at Michigan, and Lloyd Carr brought them a, a national championship. Was one of the great, he's a guy I'd love to have on the show as a citizen and, and a, a brilliant mind, uh, even off, off the field. Uh, and everybody kept saying, we got to go. We, you know, the game has passed him by and stuff like that. And we got to get somebody in here. Well, we, we've had Rich Rodriguez, who was supposed to be a genius that turned out to be a disaster. Oh, we've had out. Brady Hoke, who said that he would walk from San Diego to Michigan for the job. How'd that work? Uh, and that didn't work out. And then we brought back the, the prodigal son, in Jim Harbaugh, who was going to be the genius quarterback whisperer, who until this season hadn't actually started any at the beginning of the season, any quarter he re- quarterback he recruited, they were all guys that were transferred. So who's not going to be in the championship game if it's held on Monday? Michigan. Let's talk Ohio State, and Alabama for a second oh, before we get off the air. But, but my but my point was is you better you know Michigan. I mean people want Peterson out. Just realize it may get worse. Depending, you wanted Dandy Reed out, didn't you? What your what? We'll get to that in, yeah. on next week's show. Uh, it does appear that they're all boarding a campaign uh, plane to go. That's one plane, correct. or are they doing the Clemson thing and boarding multiple planes and keeping them separate? We'll get back to it on next week's show. Thanks so much for joining <laughs> us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a and great maybe talk about the national week. champion game. Maybe bye bye.